Is the dog being too quiet? Is that why you've like crab walked out of the kitchen? Um, uh, sorry, sorry to break this to you, Ian, but um, the dog has been at your Regency <laughs> Hampers brochure that was delivered today. Uh, delivered here from a company I never gave my address to. And it is not even old luxury. It's not even the forwarded address from where I used to live. Uh, I'm looking forward to next month's uh, issue of Wall Lovers magazine as well, which Ian has been receiving on a monthly basis. Wall Lovers make very good jumpers. I would strongly recommend them. I don't know how. Again, I bought a jumper from there a year and a half ago. Yeah. Don't know why they started turning up here. I know why. Because you went on their website and you changed dress because you wanted to make sure you didn't ever miss out on an issue. You know what, Graham? Next time we go to Waitrose, just buy like a pheasant and shove it as deep as you can up your own ass. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. Ugh, no one asked for this. Welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me. Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. And this week we are talking about films that should be remade as a musical, which was uh, mentioned to us in a review by uh, Vision in Blue, who we now know to be Twitter user Emma at the Movies. Yes, uh, after much digging um, into... There, there, was a, there was a bit of sleuthing that went on there. And I say sleuthing that went on. We knew this, we just forgot and had to go back and check, and it took a little while. <laughs> yeah, but even, so she, she also recommended uh, an episode we did a couple of months ago on magic objects. Yes. And all we had to go off of there for was Vision in Blue, yeah. and you were worried we were talking to oh, somebody yeah. from Avatar. We, I was, I was yeah. very concerned that there was an Avatar superfan in our midst. But, uh, but there is not, so we're all good. We are so all good. How have, how, have, how have you approached this? You're a, you're a musical fan. I mean, we've talked about musicals a fair amount, but we've yeah. never actually talked about musicals. No. I've gone for just stuff that... I mean, it's, there's a few varies, variations here. Um, one is something that just kind of makes sense. One is one that I think could work, and one is a bit of a... <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this before, but maybe a little bit of a reach. <laughs> but um, I still think it would be fun. And also is predicated on a single thing, which again, something I've done fairly often. Some would say weekly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've tried to pick kind of a couple of like different like go-to musical tropes. Yeah. Uh, and then picked based on that. But before we, obviously before we dive into the, the meaty content of the episode, yeah. uh, I have a list of musicals that have already been made that are based on movies. Cool. Um, and... So if that if that's the meaty content, is this is this the amuse bouche? So this is the the amuse bouche. Yeah. There'll then be an appetizer of the obvious question of what your favorite musicals are. Yeah. Uh, and then the meaty content, and then yeah. maybe we have a little bit of, I, I don't know, maybe there'll be like a post credit dessert where we try and write one of the songs from whichever musicals we've picked. Excellent. So I like the idea of that. Musicals based on movies that are already a thing. Yeah. Mean Girls. Yep. Big Fish. Okay. Uh, Shrek. Yeah. Which is surprisingly very, very good. I never saw that. Um, bring It On. Or what, mate? Yeah, what? Catch me if you can. <laughs> uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, I think once every episode we get my Bluetooth speaker turning off and we get the boom. And I'm, I don't know that anyone's ever like questioned it, but it definitely pops up every episode at one point. Yeah, but also that just sounded like it was a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just said, 
Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, no, no. It was really, they really did a musical of Catch Me If You Can. Finding Neverland. Oh, interesting. Ghost. Oh, I had the misfortune of seeing that on the stage. Really? It was trash. Who was in it? Uh, someone that went to our school. Really? Yeah. Oh. Jay Gunn? Oh, he was in Little Britain. And he was in um, an episode of Inside Number Nine. Oh, really? Yeah. He, uh, there was an Inside Number Nine episode which was written, it was set in a hotel, and it was written in iambic pentameter. <laughs> is, of course it is. Nice. Um, yeah, he was he was in Ghost when I saw it. Um, yeah, I mean, he was what from what I remember very good, but Ghost absolutely dreadful. Like it, there are certain things I just don't think. Well, they've just made Life of Pi into one, right? That's the new yes. one. Yes, yeah. And I mean, I hated the film to be fair, but I just I have no desire to see it's that. Not as a musical. pie. No, I mean none, none at all. There were no like apple pies, mince meat pies, cottage yeah. pies. There wasn't even. You know, three point one four. See what he did there. Well, I mean, obviously, if you like pie, what you should really watch is a uh, waitress. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am not telling that story on the podcast. Uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> saw Groundhog Day. I saw Groundhog Day. I really enjoyed that. Did Mainly... you just say I saw Groundhog Day because I said I saw Groundhog Day and you were doing the Groundhog Day thing? Uh, uh, no, I wasn't. I okay. just I'd seen Groundhog Day. Which we've now said four times. I've seen Groundhog Day. <laughs> no, I've seen Groundhog Day. Uh, so it's, yeah. The, the only difficult thing with Groundhog Day is I now have to say the phrase, my favourite part is the suicide montage. And that makes <laughs> you seem a little bit like a psychopath. Ah, it's great though. I, it's very well done. The um, If I Have My Time Again is one of my yeah. favourite songs in musicals in general, I think. Yeah, no, so I I, I loved it. The, the suicide montage, the... Once you figure out, because obviously, so he keeps, it's the part of the film where he keeps killing himself and then waking up in bed. And you start trying to figure out how he gets from wherever he is back back into bed. bed. Yeah. And it's really difficult. I spotted some of them, but others I I had no idea. Had a depressingly limited run, didn't it? Yeah, it it didn't. Because I I think the problem was, like, it, it was very good, but it wasn't Matilda. No, I, I think Tim Minchin, yeah. as a as a, a musical writer, peaked. Like his first thing was I a mean, complete. Matilda like, is phenomenal masterpiece, insanely good. Yeah. Speaking so, of Tim Minchin, we're seeing him next week. We are seeing him next this week. time. This time next week, we'll be no, actually, probably not this early. Uh, yeah. Well, this time next week, if you're listening to this when the episode comes out on Thursday, we would have already have seen him. Yes. But a week from when we're recording, we might not. Oh, why do you always have to get so Chris Nolan-y on us? I really do. Uh, Kinky Boots. Yeah. Kinky Boots was a very good musical. Also a very underrated film. Not enough people have seen it. Rocky. My nose ain't broken yet. Is that one of the songs from it? I think so. <laughs> it's, um, I think it's got the guy who was in Groundhog Day when we saw it. Okay. Um, I say when we saw it, it was such a limited run. We would have seen the same cast. Yeah, yeah. We didn't um, see it together. Legally Blonde, which is a fucking amazing musical. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. It's based on a film. Mrs. Doubtfire is now a thing. Uh, Pretty Woman, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, The Producers, School of Rock, Wedding Singer, uh, Amelie is now running, Beetlejuice, Billy Elliot. School of Rock was bad as a musical. It's, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber, isn't it? I don't know. Possibly. But I, I say it was bad as a musical. It was the, the worst thing for me was the guy playing it was trying to be Jack Black. And it just oh, was really okay. annoying for yeah. the entirety of the movie. Like, 
if he'd have owned it as his own version of it, but he wasn't he wasn't playing um oh fuck was it because he's not Ned Schneebly, he's Dewey. Dewey something. Dewey something. Finn. Dewey, Dewey Finn. Finn. He wasn't playing Dewey Finn, he was playing Jack Black playing Dewey Finn, and that was really annoying. I mean that that's the problem. Like Jack Black's the kind of personality where only only he can get away with being Jack Black. And yeah. Even then, just just about it is yeah. such like the fine line of being annoying, and he's just on the right side of it. Yeah. But yeah, so there is a there is a ripe history of musicals that have been based on movies. So, what is your favorite musical? What what are your favorite musicals? Um, Both kind of musical films, because we're going to be so all of these we're talking about we're yeah. going to remake into a musical film rather than setting yeah. it on stage because mainly I don't think the West End is ready for our ideas. No. Um there's quite a lot like Hamilton is up there. Um Book of Mormon is up there. Uh Les Mis is up there. Funny enough Waitress is up there. I do really like Waitress. Avenue oh. Q is up there. Avenue Q, yeah, Avenue Q is great. Um, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is one of my favorites. I've not seen it. I've only listened to the soundtrack. I've I I've seen it on uh I've seen like a bootleg of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I would see it. I given the opportunity I would see it. Um Rent is obviously up there. Yep. Um, we won't talk about Rent. We, this we're time. not allowed to talk about that on the uh, podcast. I've seen Cabaret soon. I have very mixed feelings about that because I love the musical Cabaret, but it's Eddie Redmay. <laughs> I've I've never seen Cabaret, but uh, I just like the fact that you're going to see Eddie Redmayne. Your be- your best pal. Can you get um when you're there, could you do me a favour? Heckle? Could you uh, maybe wait at the stage door and just get me a little little signature afterwards, please? A little signature from Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Hey, Eddie Redmayne. I, I just have to say his full name the whole time. Hey, Eddie Redmayne, can you sign this from Marius, please? Yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you just send this? Just just write. <laughs> Marius definitely did the right thing for my, for my <laughs> mate Graham here. Yeah. No. I'm not even going to joke. I'm not even following that joke. No, I'm all right. But I would. Uh, so Jesse Buckley's in it as well, and she is very very good. But yeah, as as we have. Mentioned several times, Eddie Redmayne just kind of annoys me a little bit. Yeah, he, 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 he's. I don't mind him. It's just the the, the obvious Oscar baiting. My favorite thing he's been in is Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> what a film! What a film! And he was so funny in that because he 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 hammed it up to the exact point it needed to be hammed up. Yeah, I would still say I think he's very good in the um. Uh, theory of everything. I thought he was very good in that. Oh yeah, he, he he's good. I got I got no 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 issues with Stephen Hawking. I mean Stephen Hawking. <laughs> let's draw. Was... Let's 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 put put that uh, out there, shall we? I have no problems with Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of problems with Eddie Redmayne. Stephen... Now Stephen Hawking in Cabaret, that could have been interesting. I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. I'm not going to do an impression of him singing songs of some Cabaret. I have no follow-up to that. No, but that is a mental image that's going to come back to haunt you. <laughs> uh, Stephen Hawking as uh, Marius. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. There's been weirder. I, I guess so. Yeah, okay. So what, what about your favourite m- movie musical? Because I, I think movie musical for me is a difficult one to narrow down sometimes. Because there's a couple of films which are on the cusp so like some people say labyrinth is a musical but i'm not 100 percent sure if so. i would it's a film that has some songs in yeah 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's a musical. Yeah, it's same like the Mu- the Muppets probably isn't a musical. No, but, but the Muppet Christmas Carol is. Muppet Christmas Carol is, yeah. And that is 100% written on my list of my favourite musicals. Um, and I would say, I don't know, I, I genuinely think actually if you take movie musicals, I, my favourite probably is Rent. I think it's very well done as a movie. I'm sorry, I mentioned the R word twice. Yeah. Uh, Moulin Rouge. A lot yeah. of time for Moulin Rouge. Went to the um, Moulin Rouge when I was in Paris. It wasn't open, went outside it. Very, very shit. That sounded like you pissed on the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't open, I just went on it. <laughs> went there. It's, it's, it's just a theatre with windmill on some of it. Not very interesting. That's a bit boring. I was, I was thoroughly disappointed. Yeah. Got a good picture of me looking like I'm spinning the windmill, though. So what? What did you? What did? What were you expecting? I don't know. There was no, no. You just the fun. The Ewan most McGregor looking sad. The, the most interesting. The most interesting part of going to the Moulin Rouge was the walk down to the Moulin Rouge, where I saw a poster for a play that was in French. So I don't know. It, I, I'm, I'm taking some creative license in thinking what it was about, but essentially that Hitler was a cat. Nice. That was that was the best part about the Moulin Rouge. Interesting. And so that's your first choice, I assume. <laughs> Hitler the Cat musical. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Nice. The 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 Third Reich. A. That was good. That, that was quite good. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I love Moulin Rouge. Uh. The Blues Brothers. I'd count that as a musical. Mm, oh, I don't know if I would, but okay. Uh. Rocket Man. Rocket Man yeah. is done as a musical, and I think that really works. This is why I didn't like it as much because I felt it kind of it it kind of straddled the line between biopic and musical, and didn't really decide which one it was. I thought it fully decided it was a musical. Yeah, I, I'm not. So, I'm not quite sure. Um, well, uh, I'd have liked your, your opinion is wrong. <laughs> I'd have liked it to go. Either fully one way or either fully the other way, and but it felt would, like it. it how would it going more much. musical of look? Because I can't think of it being more, unless it was sung through, and that's kind of weird. Perhaps that I don't know. To be fair, I think I think my biggest beef with Rocket Man is that you're not friends with Taron Egerton. Same. What Watford were only in it for about thirty seconds. Oh, okay. So, so what 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 you mean is you're annoyed there wasn't a Watford orientated song. There should have been. Okay. That should, that should have been part of it. Has he ever written one? I think Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is, like, tangentially related. Okay. Is it actually, or are you just taking that for the team? Uh, I think so. I'm he not says sure. yellow, done. He says yellow. That's, that's enough for me. Stadium's made of bricks. <laughs> but yeah, love musicals, me. Yeah. And last one we saw was Anything Goes, and that was really fucking fun. I, I still don't fully... I can't wrap my head around tap dancing. Oh, so what they do is they put little metal things on their shoes. Oh, it's on the shoes! As they dance, it makes a noise. That makes more sense. Yeah. But uh, as someone... Were you who... expecting faucets? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I assumed there were a number of taps underneath the stage. They were <laughs> hammering on the... Like, kind of like how you'd imagine the borrowers to play the piano. <laughs> that is a niche weird thing to say. Um, yeah, so that was the last one I saw. But like seeing like 30 people tap dancing synchronized completely blows my mind yeah because i can't dance by myself let alone with that many people i i don't know i think you could 
I'll try, man. I'll try. Question for you. Have you ever seen a really, like, niche musical? A musical that you don't think anyone else has seen? Um, I really wish I saw Hades Town. Yeah, it was like, like a 1920s version of, like, an ancient Greek story. Yeah. We saw one that was called, like, 27, which, again, was a, it was like a Greek tragedy thing, but set with a 27 club rock star. Okay. And that was done in a theatre, which I'm fairly sure was above a corner shop. Fair. I saw um, Susical. Susical? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do, do go on. Uh, it is just a Dr. Zeus musical. <laughs> nice. Um, which was great, but as you can imagine, the entirety of the audience were children. <laughs> and then me and, at the time, um, an ex. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> It was uh, it was the kind of thing where you're like, oh, this will be really cool, but then just never even like I loved I loved all the Doctor Zeus books growing up, and yeah, definitely was not prepared. Um, well, I should have been. It should have been painfully obvious that the entire audience would be children, but I wasn't. Good musical though, good fun. Yeah, because Doctor Zeus just seemed like the kind of person who would lend himself to a musical. Yeah, he also um is was terrible. Um, I think he oh, yeah, yeah. cheated on his dying wife when she had cancer or something. Yeah, I think so. I can't find the name of this musical I saw, so now I'm wondering whether I just made it up. Have you made it up? Huh. Anyway, on, on that note, <laughs> I, I believe you have a movie recommendation nobody asked for. I do, and I've gone, I've gone straight down the middle this this time. No reaches, no, uh, no trying to be funny. I do not believe you. <laughs> no, I, I really haven't. It's uh, Sweeney Todd, The Doom Barber Fleet Street, 2007. I really enjoyed it. I thought oh. it was great. Um, that, that, that is very fun. That's not a reach at all. Fair no. play. <laughs> I'm growing. You, you've only gone and totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> Johnny Depp, Helen Bonham Carter, Sasha Barrett Cohen. Really, really good. I love it. I've got a few. There's a few of the songs on our shared playlist. Um, I believe Worst Pies in London is on there, as is Pirelli's Magical Elixir. Uh, and uh, it's Pretty Women. Which I like just because you get to hear Alan Rickman go, bum, 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 <laughs> and that's just that's all I need in life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just really it's really well done. Um, One of the most mismarketed films of all time, because a lot of people, the the initial trailers for it didn't show it was a musical, so a lot of people went and weren't expecting it to oh, be really? a musical. But I mean, surely most people like. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's naive of me to think that most people know that Sweeney Todd is a musical. Oh yeah, but there was uh, there's been Les Mis adaptations that weren't musicals. Yeah, but also Les Mis was a book. Ah, uh, true. Well, so was Sweeney, Sweeney Todd was based on something, wasn't it? Yeah, a barber murdering people. Oh, uh, okay. Just a very <laughs> a, a very unusual pie. <laughs> but yeah, like I like to to me it seems stupid because yeah. of course it's going to be a fucking musical. Because not only is it Sweeney Todd, it's Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, a lot of people were apparently very, very okay. confused, which uh, is a shame. Yeah, really good. A lot of blood as well. A lot of blood. Yeah. So if you if you do like pies and blood, can you think of any other films you might want to watch after you've watched Sweeney Todd? But maybe maybe you've had your fill of musicals. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're going wanna... for the we're going for the the pie 
the bloody pie double bill one's musical one isn't yeah I've got the fucking I've got the best film for you Ian oh, I wonder what that is Greg <laughs> that film would be Ari Aster's Midsummer. nice um, there is a, there are pies there are bloods there are bloods <laughs> there are bloods bloods and there, crips, there, crips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is bloods um, in in drinks <laughs> Um, <laughs> and um, everything else. I mean, Midsummer the Musical would be fun. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I try not to pick Midsummer for my choices. Oh, same. Because we would do it <laughs> every I week. Mean, yeah. Horror villains we want to see in romantic comedies. I very nearly did The Harger in Couples Retreat. Nice. Controversial movie opinions. Apparently, Midsummer being better than Hereditary is one of them. Actors we want as the next 007. I nearly did Florence Pugh because of Midsummer. <laughs> Films we would set in space. Everyone wants a fucking cult space movie. Yeah. Films we would add Nicolas Cage to. I'd have him as the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to yeah, just to just just to throw that out there. Otherwise, yeah. I 100 percent would have picked Midsummer. Oh uh, yeah, Mid- Midsummer the musical. It writes itself. So yeah, if 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 you if you need pies and blood. You don't want to sing and dance. Stick Midsummer on. Nice. And and on that note, I believe the first choice is mine. It is. It is yours. It's all yours. Have the floor. Thank you. Okay. For my first choice, I thought I'd go for a film that was inspired by a musical. Mm. So you don't know what that noise was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'd, You'd assume that there would be some shared DNA between films and musicals if there is already kind of a little bit of uh, connective tissue there anyway. Yeah. So, after watching West Side Story, the author Sol Yurik decided to write a rebuttal against what he saw as a romanticised view of street gangs. Oh, actually, I know, I know you mentioned this to me the other day, but I remember reading about this. Yeah, so he, he, he saw West Side Story. He, he worked with like youth groups and things, yeah. I think, and thought it was really an out there view of street crime and he wanted to do something that was a bit more gritty and realistic. So he wrote the novel The Warriors <laughs> as part of his Fuck You West Side Story project. And from that novel then came the 1979 film The Warriors. So The Warriors therefore is kind of inspired by West Side Story. Yeah. And that is fucking batshit insane. I mean, The Warriors is just West Side Story without the clicking, isn't it? I mean, yeah. But if you watch West Side Story and say, you know what, this isn't believable enough, and then you write The Warriors. (laughs) I mean, I suppose The Warriors... I don't know. I guess Warriors... The Warriors is probably closer to New York gang scene in the 70s than West Side Story. I I mean... I don't think they were going around singing at each other. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, it's not as big a jump in the direction as maybe he thought it would be. <laughs> it's more like he's, he's jumped just an equal distance the other way from yeah. the point. <laughs> but I love The Warriors. Um, so for those who haven't seen it, in the near future, Cyrus, the leader of the Gramercy Rifts, summons the street gangs of New York City in a bid to take over. When he is killed, the Warriors are falsely blamed and now must fight their way home while every other gang is hunting them down. So it is the Warriors, who are this gang, who all wear matching red leather waistcoats, <laughs> basically being chased through the city, trying to find their way back to Coney Island. And I do love this film. The gangs are insane. So you have the Warriors, 
You have the Gramercy Rifts. You have the Rogues. You have the Turnbull ACs. You have the Orphans. You have the Baseball Furies, who I very nearly went as one for Halloween. But I feel like it needs to be a group costume. Right. Like you can't just have one Baseball Fury. You don't really a gang, are you? No, it's just it just looks a little bit lonely. You've got you got you're the Lizzies, you're the Punks, the Boppers, the Hurricanes, the Hi Hats, the Electric Eliminators, the Saracens, the Jones Street Boys, the Savage Huns, the Satan's Mothers, the Boyle Avenue Runners, the Moon Runners, the Van Cortland Rangers, the Panzers, and the Gladiators. I bet the uh, bet the Saracens were well funded. Very well funded, but uh, only unofficially. There was a lot of uh, likeness rights, and uh, all their members had their own uh, individual companies they made. <laughs> Fuck, I hate the Saracens. Uh, don't even support a team in their same fucking league, and I still hate them, because I have sporting principles. Um, so the way I would see, uh, or the way I would like to see the Warriors musical work, because obviously it would be called The Warriors the Musical. Mm-hmm. First of all, let's get that out of the way. I would want every gang they come up across to have their own song okay. in their own unique style. So, for example, they come across a, a gang called the Punks who are all on roller skates. So yeah. your choice there is simple. Either they do punk songs yeah. or it is Starlight Express themed. <laughs> and to be honest, I have been dwelling on that choice most of the day. I think you should smush those two together. A good smushing. Punk Starlight Express. Punk Starlight Express. What? Oh, fuck me. All right, let's let's ditch the content of this part for a while. <laughs> what punk cover of a musical would you want to see? Oh, um, well, like, Hedwig's punk anyway, so that doesn't count. It's obvious. It's lame. Is it's all about punks. All about revolution. Punks all about sticking it to the man. Lame. Oh, punk lame is. Punk lame is. Which, which song would you want the punk cover of? Uh, Castle on a Cloud. Punk Castle on the Cloud. <laughs> Fuck me. Actually, Master of the House. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I could see Master of the House being a very good like Tom Waits song. Yeah. Uh, Stars as a punk cover would be fucking great. Um, if I had access to a drum kit, that would be the post-credit thing. But we don't. <laughs> so it's not going to happen. You could do it on GarageBand, I believe in you. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to try and convince myself to do that because I would, and I would spend far too much time doing it. Especially given that I'm fairly sure eighty percent of the people who listen to this don't get past us summing up at the end, let alone through the last bit of the credits. Yeah, true. They're missing out. They are missing out. There was that one time that you you raw dogged an elephant. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Um. Uh. I can't follow that comment up, so I'm just going to go back to the Warriors. Go for it. So yeah, so I would want every individual band to have their own style of song. Yeah. Song titles, easy, just take some quotes from the film. Uh, Can You Dig It? Yeah. Great, huge, big opening number of Cyrus talking to the assembled gangs. I'll shove that bat up your ass, brackets, and turn you into a popsicle, close brackets. Nice. Uh, Warriors Come Out to Play, which I think is one of the most pop culture ridden quotes from the film because yeah. I think everyone has heard that without necessarily knowing where it came from yeah I would say so because uh, well, it's, it's ticked all the boxes Family Guy have taken the piss out of it South Park have taken the piss out of it yeah Simpsons must have as well Simpsons must have uh, it's in a Wu-Tang Clan album I think it's in a song from 36 Chamber no I'm not going to lie Graham I know exactly what song it's from, but I'm not saying the title of it on a podcast. Please do. Uh, no. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, I, I have editing control of this podcast, yeah. and that's fine. But people can take snippets and words just, just out of it, and I'm not throwing that into anyone's hands. So it's from the album. It's from the album. Just out of interest. <laughs> is it uh, track number two? Uh, uh, yes, yes, it is track number two. <laughs> Shame. Yeah. Shame, Matt. Uh, so <laughs> we would also then have, if it is inspired by West Side Story, we're back to the Warriors. We're not talking about 36 Chamber of Shaolin anymore. <laughs> also, though, um, that song, have you heard the, the or you or have heard it. System of Down cover. The System of Down. Well, it's, 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 um, it's Surge and Wu-Tang, isn't it? Or is it just, or is it just System? Now you've said that, I'm not sure. I think there might be a version of both, but I could just be yeah. making it up. Okay. If I say it confidently enough, everyone will believe me. <laughs> I think it's both. I think there's versions of both. Yeah, cool. Uh, another good cover like that is Dillinger, Dillinger Escape Plan do Fight the Power yeah. with the original band who do it. Because the, there was a video game. We're now tangents on tangents on tangents. There was a video game called Home Front, yeah. which was basically Red Dawn, and it was kind of shit. Well, maybe not shit, but it was entirely like first-person shooter by numbers. It was and... jumping on the Call of Duty bandwagon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the soundtrack to it was incredible. So it was loads of heavy covers of like political protest songs. Okay, nice. And it's not. I don't think it's on Spotify. Yeah. So you have to try and track it down. But it's one of the best soundtracks to a video game I've ever heard. And it is so weird that it came from a video game that was shit. Or at least forgettable. So how did we get to there? We went from Homefront. We got there from Fight the Power. We got there from System of Down. We got there from Wu-Tang. What was the name of the song? We got to Wu-Tang because I refused to name a song. And the reason we said that was because a reference, Warriors come out to play. We're back to the Warriors. <laughs> and then obviously because it is a West Side Story uh, influenced uh, song, yeah. I feel like instead of having Jet song, we would have the Warriors song. Which could just be where they, you know, maybe we also have the rumble. Yeah, that can be the end. Lots of, uh, lots of clicking. There's no named policeman. Otherwise, I would have gone for a Officer Kripke song. But yeah, the closest you have is policewoman, and that doesn't quite have the same ring to it. No. So yeah, I just really like the idea of it, and it's such a. I would say accidentally campy film. I was just about to say it's campy enough to be a musical. Yeah, like it wouldn't, weirdly, it wouldn't kind of detract too much from it. No. Because everyone is, so uh, again, all of the bands are generally in, so the high hats are, I think, wearing red with massive top hats. Yeah. The baseball furies are dressed in face paint and baseball uniforms. Like I said, the, the warriors have their fucking waistcoats. They're all very uniquely dressed and that lends itself to like these big extravagantly stupid dance numbers there's there's some films where i think the only way to do it successfully it would end up being like a borderline parody but i potentially yeah yeah but i think the warriors is so campy and out there it wouldn't actually detract from the story it's also quite interesting and um, so the way Obviously, it was written originally to kind of give uh, a look at these gang members and why people might turn to, like, gang violence and stuff. And obviously, a musical is a good way of letting you know what characters are thinking. Yeah. Rather than just them running away from people dressed 
in baseball uniforms. So I think it will give you a good insight into the characters that may have been lacking from the original film. But fucking love it. It's a great movie. I do think it lends itself to the musical. I think the songs would be great. I personally would love the song. I'll shove that bat up your ass. Brackets and turn you into a popsicle. Close brackets. The brackets are an important part. I think it elevates the song having them in brackets. Yeah. Or for our American listeners, parentheses. So it works. So they actively fight the Turnbull ACs, the orphans, the police, who aren't a gang. Depending who you talk to. Am I right, Graham? Uh, the Baseball Furies, the Lizzies, the Punks, and then the Rogues. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights. Yeah. So if, with kind of my original idea, if each song is based on kind of one of these encounters, that would be seven songs in seven different styles. And I like that. I think Plus as well, with, um, with the police, get Sting involved. Uh, exactly. It's Everyone loves a good bit of reggae. <laughs> uh, to be fair, not I. Sting is the kind of guy who he's kind of turned into a cartoon character, which is apparently is what happens when you have like mammoth forty-eight hour tantric fuck sessions. But he was an incredible bassist. I don't think people appreciate how good he was because of how weird he is now. Yeah, I just remember, the one thing that I always remember as as a child growing up about Sting was that people used to say, you know, Sting Sting doesn't wash his hair with shampoo. <laughs> it was just a thing. I don't know why Sting doesn't wash his hair with shampoo. Just wash it with water. Doesn't wash his hair with shampoo. <laughs> you just imagine you just as a kid, like, like walking to the shops in the morning. You just someone walking past you going, "Do you know? Uh, do you know Sting doesn't wash his hair with shampoo?" Yeah. Just, that sounds like the start to a really weird joke. It does. I'm also Googling it now. <laughs> There's nothing about Sting not using shampoo, so maybe it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's not going to be the... If, if, if I had to pick a celebrity who... So if you said, right, so there's a celebrity who doesn't wash their hair with shampoo, they just wash it with water, who do you think it is? Yeah. My first response would probably be Sting. Because <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow... Well, that's how he got his name, you know, from the getting in his eyes. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, he either uses like baby shampoo or, uh, or just water. Yeah. But like Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow sounds like she would, but she would actually use something weird. So like she would like use, she uses Sting's bath water that he's washed his hair <laughs> in. She like distills that down and mixes it with like tears. So, so in looking for whether or not Sting, and again, still no hits. So I think it was a weird. Sting, Sting's got loads of hits. A weird, <laughs> nice. Still like a weird urban urban legend. Um, but in searching for it, turns out that twenty um, eighth of January two thousand seventeen, Gary Barlow uh, washed his hair for the first time in fourteen years. Oh, well, take that. <laughs> Hashtag no joke. King hell. And on that bombshell. What? What? I don't get because there's a whole. There was a whole way of thinking of like not washing your hair at all. It's apparently supposed to clean itself. The natural oils and stuff. Anyway, that's <laughs> one of the weirder tangents we've gone on. So the Warriors. <laughs> it would be it would be great. I think it would work. One year we have to go to the Baseball Furies for Halloween. That's my takeaway. Ian, we're going to play a game with every choice today, and that that game is: Has this already been a musical at an Edinburgh Fringe show? 
um, because I think when we've gone through certainly a lot of the good bad movies, we've yeah. seen that they they definitely do exist in most cases. So yeah. so to 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 rehash a conversation me and you had earlier about pornography, uh, <laughs> there is obviously rule thirty four. Yeah. So apparently, if something exists, there is porn of it. So we are we are putting out there rule thirty four B. Yeah. Which is if it exists, there is an Edinburgh Fringe musical of it. Yeah. So you do the editing, insert some like uh, nice uh, who wants to be an M music here. Ian, is the Warriors been a musical at the Edinburgh Fringe? Yes. It has not. It has not. It has not. I thought out of out of my choices, I thought the Warriors would be the most likely. <laughs> yeah, I, I was expecting it to be, but no. Oh, Unfortunately, not. Interesting. You've gone down the campy '80s action movie route. I've gone straight uh, '70s. Was it? I wasn't sure if it was. I thought it was Se- set in the '70s. Maybe it's 1979. Graham. Oh fuck. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny enough, my first choice also came out in 1979. Oh, very nice. <laughs> but I've gone down the comedy route. Now, this is a film that is ripe for adaptation, mostly because its stars and its writers have previous in this field. And I'm, of course, talking about Monty Python's Life of Brian. Already got a strong pedigree here with Eric Idle adapting Holy Grail and Spamalot. I think in this scenario, you'd probably get him back to do this, mostly because he, he seems quite happy to make lots of money off of stuff that he can kind of he's already written and can really easily rewrite again yep. <laughs> there's a lot of good quotes as well when you're looking at like w- talking to the other pythons about it and it was like but when it before it was coming out it was like yeah i mean it's not really python and we don't really want to be involved but you know we'll, you know eric wants to eric do it and then after it's like yeah actually um we really like it because it's making us a lot of money <laughs> it's got to be the most successful thing they've done oh it must be up there yeah i would say i would say i would say so maybe out maybe flying circus but I guess in real terms of money, maybe yeah, yeah. Probably, well, yeah, probably if is. not, if not critical, yeah, financially, yeah. Because um, I know, like uh, South Park guys, regardless of how much South Park they've done, yeah. they've made the most money from book performance. Yeah, but yeah, as I say, and yeah, commercially it has done very well. The show's ha- had a thirteen-year run from two thousand four to two thousand seventeen. It played all over the globe, including long stints on Broadway and the West End. It won a Tony and a Grammy, so. Assuming Eric Idle is halfway to an EGOT, I don't know if he might even have an Emmy. Maybe, don't know. Let's have a look. I know some weird people have like EGOTs or a close. To well, Trey Parker, Matt Stone are uh, an Oscar away. Yeah, uh, Eric Idle is not. I don't think he is. No. Uh, so he would just have the two awards. Okay. Um, because the Wikipedia page EGOT winners have got uh, people who have three. Yeah. So uh, Cher is a Tony Award away from being an EGOT. So is Common. Who? Common. The rapper. And Trent Reznor. Nice. Uh, And Robin Williams. Jeremy Irons? That's a surprising one. Uh, It's not that surprising that Jeremy Irons is missing a Grammy. (laughs) That's that's true. (laughs) Missing missing an Emmy Award. Uh, Elton John. Okay. Elton John just just needs an Emmy. Missing an Oscar. I mean, that's then when you start. Uh, Hugh Jackman is an Oscar away from an EGOT. That's nuts, isn't it? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, he'll get one before. Surely he'll get one. Ben Platt. 
is an Oscar away from an EGOT. I don't even know who Ben Platt is. Oh, he that guy. Is, uh, yeah, Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Which uh, is a musical we could have talked about in the intro because it doesn't work as a film. Ben it also Platt. doesn't work that he is playing a high school kid. No, he's 28 years old. He also looks like Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Very large, very large elongated head. He's also in uh, The Book of Mormon for a stint. Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, Jimmy Neutron. Elder Neutron. Anyway, where were we? Maybe Eric Idle have any got, but no, he's just a tug. Just a tug. We're good. I think we obviously appeal to quite a wide audience if we do this. Appeal to the religious folks. They love a sing song. This is basically going to be a selection of uh, funny hymns uh, throughout. So, good selection of potential songs here. So, I'm thinking of su- stuff such as He's Not the Messiah, He's a Very Naughty Boy. Of course, yeah. Fuck off, We're the People's Front of Judea. The ex lepers lament, um, and biggest dickus, the biggest dick in Wome. Nice. Can I throw uh, "Blessed Are the Cheesemakers" out there? Absolutely. And obviously, the meek will inherit the earth. Yep. It is objectively the best Python movie. Therefore, it deserves a musical remake. Um, don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> what well, we, I think we've covered this before. My yeah. favorite Monty Python film is always the one I saw most recently. Yeah. So my my working theory was always that it's the first Python film that you saw because Life Brown was the first one I saw, and it's my favorite. Well, because right now I would fight to the hilt that it's Holy Grail, but I know for a fact as soon as I watch Life of Brian, I'll just be you know what is Life of Brian, isn't it? Yeah. And then I then I would be willing to die for that, and then I'll watch Holy Grail again. Just like, no, it's it's Holy yeah. Grail. And then you watch, and now for something completely different. It's like, you know what? The sketches did work better, didn't they? Uh, some of the sketches are brilliant. Um, Meaning of Life is the only one that doesn't change my mind about the previous film I watched. It's yeah. Good. It's good, but it, it felt a bit tired. It also isn't really a... I, I struggle to see it as a film because it is just a... It's a feature-length sketch show. No, Meaning of Life does have one of my favourite Monty Python songs in. The Galaxy Song? Uh, the Galaxy Song and... Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is sacred is very good. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll throw that into because uh, we can't use. Always look on the bright side of life. Well, because it was in Spamalot. Spamalot. Yeah, but I still think you can use it because it's the it's the OG. Oh yeah, true. And also singing every sperm is sacred whilst everyone's being crucified is a bit strange. <laughs> I mean, regardless of there's no song that they could sing that would make that scene not strange. <laughs> Um, okay, we'll have them sing track two from Wu-Tang Clan's album. <laughs> uh, what would that track be called, Ian? Uh, I'm fairly sure it's just called track two. <laughs> so that's that same thing that Blur did, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a cover. <laughs> I mean, also the film, it's it's got music in its blood, right? It was It was financed almost entirely by George Harrison. I think we've spoken about this before because he wanted to watch the film. Yeah. Um, and then also Keith Moon was meant to be um, in it as well. He was cast as one of the preachers, um, but obviously he died. You've just mentioned this, but I think you have got the big closing number in it. Always look on the bright yeah. side of life. I think that should be the closing number for every musical anyway. Yeah, just for everything. You know, getting off the plane, your numbers finally called at Argos. Always look on the bright side of life. It also shares quite a bit of DNA with musicals as well in that um, the in the film... The six Python actors play the role of play the roles of forty different characters. Um, okay. And obviously, not to necessarily the same extent, but you have similar in musicals, right? Within musicals, there's character. You know, it, within Hamilton, you have an actor playing like two main yeah. roles in a lot of in many cases. David Diggs absolutely stealing the show as both Thomas Jefferson and Lafayette. 
also, we've got the perfect double bill. This and Jesus Christ Superstar. Yep, that, obviously. And, yeah, I, I just think, as I say, it's, it's got, there's enough DNA here that it should work as a, as a musical. There's, there's the, um, the fact that they've already successfully done it with Spamalot and then all of these other bits and pieces that tie in. And also, interestingly, um, not necessarily related to it being a musical as such, but I was just digging into the, you know, some trivia and things around it and just seeing if was there anything else interesting. Did you know that there was, at least in concept anyway, that there was another version of this movie that existed where it wasn't the case that Brian gets mistaken for Jesus and then you have the whole like him being a, a fake messiah kind of thing? There was a concept that Brian was going to be the 13th apostle and basically <laughs> goes through Jesus's life but missing all of the critical moments. So like he misses out on going to the Last Supper or like healing the lepers. I like that. Just from what you said, I now want Davy Diggs to be in The Warriors, the musical. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want him to be in generally everything. With, I, I want him to be everything we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah, I, Davy Diggs is up there with Batista. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But uh, he has one up that Batista has never done a rap in Sesame Street. No. Or uh, Clipping. Clipping is fucking clipping amazing. Are a great band. Uh, not for everyone. If you're a fan of experimental hip hop, I would say the closest I would put it towards is like Tyler, the creator's like Goblin album. So it's kind of like horror hip hop to a degree. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it's a weird one because I don't think if you're a fan of it's clearly like a collection of a number of different genres. Yeah, but if you like, even if you like all of the genres, there's no guarantee you would like Clifford. Just it's so. I don't want to say niche. It is just it is the sea urchin of hip hop. Spiky, um, acquired taste. Sea urchin know. is the go-to acquired taste uh, metaphor. Is it? Yeah. Says who? People have eaten sea urchin. <laughs> There's a there is a very small Venn diagram of people who've eaten sea urchin yeah. and people who've listened to the clipping albums. And then somewhere in the middle, it's just this dude who probably lives in Hackney. <laughs> absolutely he takes his typewriters to the coffee shop but yeah i just as i say i think there's there's enough um there's enough pedigree here to make a you know a solid um adaptation of life of brian as a musical and probably one of the only ways we're gonna get any more python given that most of them have uh shuffled off this mortal coil we're a third down we've got two thirds left yeah yeah the ter- i i I, I didn't think the Terry Jones one would hit me like it did. Terry Jones was was very sad because of the um the the nature of everything. I mean, obviously, similar with with um, Graham Chapman as well. I, but... I think I I think Terry Jones is he was definitely the most I don't want to say underappreciated, but I don't think people realised how much he did. Yeah, I mean, he he directed both films. Yeah, well, he um he directed Labyrinth. Yeah. Well, no, he wrote Labyrinth. Um, but he did a lot of directing, he did a lot of writing, but because it wasn't so... Like, Terry Gilliam, you know it's Terry Gilliam. Yeah, like it's everyone else was a lot, isn't it? Yeah, everyone yeah. else was a lot bigger about what they were doing. But yes, Left Brian the Musical, The Ex-Leper's Lament. Nice. Uh, okay, so, to, to our quiz, mm. Brian, has there been a Life of Brian musical at Edinburgh? I don't think so, because I don't think that we, they, we would get past the Python lawyers. 
correct. There was not a Life of Brian musical at Edinburgh. But uh, the driving force behind the musical was John Cleese. John Cleese quite recently has talked about doing a Life of Brian musical. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think he's um, trying to make people love him again. Fed up with those AA efforts. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm trying to stick with kind of ingrained musical tropes. So the first film, The Warriors, was obviously just inspired by a musical, which is a fairly big cinematic trope for a movie musical. Yeah. Uh, this one I've gone for the romantic comedy. So a lot of musicals do tend to be a lot kind of more romance-centric or at least kind of rom-commy. So yeah. obviously Lame is has Marius. But from even the list I kind of talked about in the intro, there's a lot of musicals that have been based on films which are romantic comedies, like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels has kind of a rom-com element to it, Pretty Woman, The Wedding Singer, Amelie, the aforementioned waitress. Um, yeah. Ghost isn't isn't a rom-com, but it's definitely a romance film. And then even kind of the other ones, like things like, you know, Shrek has a kind of a romance at the centre of it. Yeah. Groundhog Day has a romance at the centre of it. Rocky, not so much. Rocky has uh, the love between a man and a sport. Don't get me wrong, I love Adrian, but boxing is truly Rocky's first love. <laughs> so, luckily, thanks to last week, I have done extensive research on rom-coms because I went through literally hundreds of them trying <laughs> to find one that would jump out as being good for a horror movie villain to be in. Yeah. So... A lot of the a lot of kind of the research of finding this film was uh, kind of already there. I have gone for a film which, to be honest, I assumed I'd research this and find out a musical was in development for it, but it's not. So I have gone for Crazy Rich Asians. Nice. I've never seen this. It is really good. So it came out in 2018. Mm. Uh, I watched it for the first time on a plane. But it wasn't enough into a flight for me to get emotional like what I will, we will just refer to as chef syndrome. Chefing. Chefing. It, it, it didn't give me a chefing. <laughs> but it, I just really enjoyed it. it. It's a very... It was obviously kind of very highly publicized because it was one of... It was... It kind of did what Black Panther did, but for the Asian community. Every, everyone in it is... Uh, at least uh, of Asian descent character. Yeah. A lot of people were aware of her, but it introduced me to Aquafina, mm. who is fucking hilarious. So uh, I don't like her. Really? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, well, you're wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians is about a character called Rachel Chu, who travels with her fiance, Nick Young, to Singapore uh, in order to meet his parents. Yeah. While she's there, she visits her former college roommate and discovers that Nick is crazy stupid rich the the idea is that they moved there in the very early days of singapore and they built a lot of the buildings <laughs> right okay. so they're now they're basically the landlords of the most expensive city in the world and it it's a pretty like ge generic for a film can be a bad thing mm. like superhero movies a generic is kind of what we had in like the late nineties, early noughties. Like a generic superhero mo movie just feels a bit dull. Yeah, yeah. You get it with sports films, right? A generic sports film is just a bit dull. 
But there are some films where if they're generic, but they're done well, they're really what just like watchable and enjoyable. They're just they're it's what you were after. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. you get it with action movies. Yeah, action like, movies definitely is a big one. Um, yeah. I'd say also slasher movies as well. Slasher movies definitely. This is a this is a weird niche genre. Late nineties thriller movies. Yeah, <laughs> but be- before thriller as a genre moved to Scandinavia, yeah, yeah, they were all basically the same film, but I couldn't get enough of them. And romantic comedies are there as well. So there's nothing special or different about Crazy Rich Asians as far as the story goes, right? But it is just done very, very well. So everybody in it is really good. The story is just kind of sweet, and it is just a nice, fun film. Like, you can put it on, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah. You'll watch it again, you'll enjoy it. You know, there's not, there's nothing there to dislike. Yeah. And I think a film like that lends itself perfectly to a musical. Not only do you have that the, I think, the storyline is simple enough that you can throw a load of songs in and not kind of get lost and confused. But also because it's set around all of these stupid rich people. So one of the big set pieces in the film is that they're going to, I think, a family member's wedding. Right. And in the movie universe, that wedding cost $40 million. Yeah. And that's the kind of backdrop where singing and dancing works. <laughs> you have a stag do on a cargo ship. Okay. That they've done up as like a club. Yeah. And yeah, I just love it. Uh, possible songs landlords of the most expensive city in the world brackets he's rich as fuck close brackets yeah uh slutty ebola virus nice and uh the mahjong song i've i've never been able to i've never worked out how you play mahjong uh neither have i and again it's one of those things where i don't kind of want to because i feel like i would spend all my time playing it it's one of those ones that came with like every pc in the early 2000s yeah so i i knew i know how to play it on a computer because but, you click until things do something. Yeah, but like <laughs> on, on a computer, it's easy because you're just, it's just like pairs, basically. Yeah. But I didn't realize I didn't understand Mahjong until I watched Crazy Rich Asians and saw them actually playing it. Oh, okay. And it's just like, oh, this is, this is nothing like what I thought the game was. Because the, the last scene is really cool where it's kind of, a, it's like a showdown between the main character and her future mother-in-law over a game of mahjong right and she's talking and she does some stuff and then it's like a proper like yeah moment and i had to google what the fuck happened afterwards because <laughs> like i get the i can use context clues to figure out what you've done here yeah but i don't what know you actually done. <laughs> yeah it would be like um it would be like a romantic comedy ending with like an in-depth rugby metaphor so you would be like, I get what you're trying to say, but I'm going to have to look into the details of what's happened here. Yeah. But I think it would, yeah. I, I think romantic comedies are just kind of such like a rich ground to work from. Oh, another, another film, another musical I got. Crazy rich um, ground. Um, right? Unfortunately went to see was Mamma Mia. That was dreadful as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I, 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 I just like ABBA. Not going to lie. Prefer Ikea if we're talking Sweden. Uh, so I, I mean, I prefer the movie Headhunters, which is a crime thriller about, I believe, an art dealer. You, you're, you're on this podcast, and you went for that over Midsummer. Oh no, but Headhunters is legit. It's a Swedish language film. You're a Swedish language film. You're a fucking Swedish language. Film. You take, you take that back. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, I, I don't I'm, know what. Like, born again. Yeah. If if you if you want to watch a crime film, watch a Swedish film. Yeah. Like I I don't or or not just Swedish that the whole the whole Scandinavian area all of the the crime thrillers are just fucking masterpieces and I don't understand why. Is it because they're cold? Cold and dark, I guess. Cold and dark. Yeah. And that's all you can think about is I'm going to write a film today. What would it be? Hmm. It's been dark for the last five days. I'm going to write about murder. <laughs> <laughs> as much fun as, like, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the musical, would be. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, I think you could probably keep a lot of the cast. They all seem talented people. Michelle Yao's in it, and she's fucking amazing. And yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting to... It is a weird one, and it's the same... It happens with a lot of romantic comedies. Like, we were kind of talking about last week. I am completely, unironically adore Notting Hill. Mm. But it doesn't do anything different. It's just exactly what you need from a romantic comedy, and it kind of nails the simple stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Crazy Rich Asians is up there. I, I, I loved it. I know it's, it's fun. It's colourful. And another kind of, for our third vague musical connection in a row, Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians was directed by John Chu. Uh, and that director's next project was In the Heights. Ah. So he directed In the Heights, and he's now attached to direct uh, the Wicked adaptation they're doing. Interesting. So he's... Wicked, another musical I did not like. We have talked about that before. <laughs> I'm very surprised because I fucking love Wicked. I'm not just saying that because my fiance has told me on a number of occasions if I didn't like Wicked, she would leave me. So, yeah. It's, uh, he, he has left Crazy Rich Asians to do a series of musicals, so why not bring him back? To do Crazy Rich Asians, the musical. I liked it in the highest. That was good. I haven't actually seen the film. I've seen the musical, but I haven't seen the film. The film was good. Yeah, enjoyed it. Mainly because I didn't want to go to the cinema, and it's still like 16 quid to rent on Prime. Yeah. But, yeah. I'll get around to it at some point. Definitely. Good. Good. You better do. Good. Yeah. Fucking well. Good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh. Do you think there has been an Edinburgh Fringe show of Crazy Rich Asians, the musical? I don't think there has. You would be correct. Correct. There has not. Rule 34B is not proving to be very fruitful. It's not proving very fruitful for this one. No, I I, I feel like a lot of of choices we've talked about previously would have, but I'm fairly sure we might have picked six that might. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe because of the... um, uh, the other ones we've talked about have been typically like good bad movies, and that ah, that seems true. ripe that's for. Uh, so we need an addendum adaptation. to yeah. Rule Thirty Four B. Yeah, the, the, the subsection. <laughs> the Rule Thirty Four B point one subsection A. I'm carrying on the comedy uh, bandwagon. Um, I think, and also I guess to an extent, there's elements of romantic comedy here. Um, I'm gonna go with. 2004's Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Nice. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but it just feels that it's like the kind of movie that's unhinged enough to work as a musical. There's enough sort of like out there bits and set pieces that are so removed from reality that bursting into song and dance wouldn't seem that kind of out of place. Well, given that they do. That too. (laughs) Yeah, that too. You have Afternoon Delight. But also just... uh, yeah, like, you know, Brick murdering someone with a trident. The trident song? The trident like song. It. So, yeah, I, obviously, yeah, Afternoon Delight would be in there. Um, you'd also have uh, such numbers as I love Lamp, but Lamp don't love me. Um, 
<laughs> I can just imagine that as a country song. <laughs> and Sex Panther. I'm in a glass case of emotion and go fuck yourself, San Diego. Baxter would have his own song. Nice. Um, but it's it's Baxter barking and then Ron singing his responses to the dog. <laughs> Um, which I think would be great. A whole wheel of cheese. <laughs> did did that mean to sound like a whole new world? Because it very nearly did. A whole wheel of cheese <laughs> for a miniature Buddha covered in hair. I'm I'm pausing. If you get in case you want to keep going, I can't I can't think of any more things. <laughs> that's it. I think who are we going to get to write the songs? Jack Black. Jack Black cameoed. Jack Black is going to write all of the songs for. Oh god, yeah, he was. He kicked Baxter off the bridge, bridge, yeah. Fuck, I forgot he was in it. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I'm not aware of any other newsroom-based musicals, so I think there's a gap in the market for this. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think so. And yeah, it's just it's just one of those ones. As I say, like yeah, it it does. You're right. It does have the dance singing and dancing number anyway. Um, why not let's expand this throughout the entirety of the musical? So the way you phrase that, I can now I'm going to assume it's going to be sung through. I th- I think it should be yeah yeah because why not yeah I I remember the first time I think it was Les Mis was the first time I ever saw a musical that was sung through and it really caught me off guard the first time of seeing it because I was like every because every other thing I've seen like my introduction to musicals was like Grease and stuff and it's lots of normal talking and then bursting yeah. into song and I was like. When are they going to stop singing? What is this? What happens? <laughs> they're, just, they're, just, they're just singing at the same time. The whole, the whole. Oh, and now they've changed. Yeah, it's a dramatic key change for effect. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think we'll, we'll sing. We'll sing through on um, the Legend of Ron Burgundy. Yeah, dancing pandas at the end. I yeah, think. that makes sense. And yeah, oh, also um, weirdly linking into Life of Brian again, looking into some things. Um, and this also could have been a very different film. Do you have any idea what the uh, the first draft of the script was rather than what we ended up with for anchorman yeah the first draft of the script for anchorman yeah was yes a dramatic biopic about vietnam it wasn't no it was yeah. about a plane load of news anchors who crashed in the mountains and discovered that the plane which they collided with was carrying monkeys and martial arts equipment leading to a battle between cannibalistic newsmen and star throwing monkeys <laughs> How how did they go from that <laughs> to what we got? I don't know. Well, one thing like that, did you hear about what the original plot for Tropic Thunder was? No. So the original plot of Tropic Thunder was a group of actors go on like, you know, for war films, they'll send like the actors off on like boot camp. Yeah. So they wanted to do a film where these actors got PTSD from going on an actor's boot camp. Okay. And we're just acting like they were like military vets who'd been it and seen stuff. Yeah. But actually, they'd just gone off to do like, <laughs> training for a film. Nice. And then they go from that to Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Now, Tropic yeah, Thunder, yeah. the musical. I could get behind that. That would be good. I'm yeah. saying that like I couldn't get behind Anchorman, the musical. I would watch. I would be, well, not first in line because most people would camp out. I'd be like a, a decent distance back in the line, but enough that I could get there in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, you just buy, buy your tickets online, you wouldn't have to queue up. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, fuck those tent dwelling cunts. <laughs> I think that's what Freddie Mercury said to everyone trying to get Live Aid tickets. Yeah, yeah. Has Will Ferrell done a musical yet? Uh, what was the thing? To, oh, the Eurovision, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And also, what was the th- what's the thing that he's doing with um, Ryan Reynolds at the moment, where the, that thing that went viral the other day? 
with them singing. Oh, okay. So Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds are doing a musical comedy based on, it's called Spirited. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, let's see if you can get it. It is a Christmas film called Spirited. Oh, it's obviously a take on... Um... That's right. Die Hard. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Christmas Night- Carol. Christmas Carol, that's one. I was thinking Nightmare Before Christmas, and that's not what I meant. Yeah, Christmas Carol. Yeah, the only other ones I've got is uh, Eurovision, and I don't think that really counts. Uh, but obviously, the best singing thing he's ever done was in Step Brothers, because that's fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, Eurovision does kind of annoy me that they redubbed everybody else in that film, apart from him. He, he, is, he, he is probably the least vocally capable. He is the Jimmy the Leper of uh, Eurovision. Oh, Jimmy the Leper. That's uh, because people haven't listened to uh, every episode we've done. Uh, is a reference to Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, not just like a weird West <laughs> London saying. <laughs> it's a classic he's, Jimmy uh, the Leper. He's Jimmy the Leper, you know? So yeah, let's do it. Let's um, let's make Anchorman the musical. The only things, if you come up on Spotify, if you search Will Ferrell, yeah. is uh, Eurovision and skits from the Eastbound and Down soundtrack. <laughs> Excellent. Way down in my plums. Oh, uh, Eastbound and Down's great. So great! Yeah. Has there been an Edinburgh Fringe musical based on Anchorman? I'm going to say that mm, this out of mine, this is the one that's got the most chance, so I'll say yes, even though I think no. Uh, so it is no. Yeah. But yes. there has been Anchorman, the unauthorised musical, that had a one-night-only showing in LA. Oh, nice. So... It's not quite Edinburgh, yeah. but a one-night showing of an unauthorised musical based on a film, I feel, is still the same ballpark. So I would say so. I, I, will, I will give you half a point. Thank you, sir. Because I think it's, it's basically what we mean. Edinburgh, as a, Edinburgh is more of a state of mind <laughs> than an actual event. You know? I think that's, um, isn't that the follow-up to New York's state of mind? Edinburgh state of mind. Edinburgh, Edinburgh yeah. state of mind. Edinburgh, brickwork jungle, where dreams are usually quite wet. <laughs> that was phrased weirdly. <laughs> I meant because of the weather, not because Edinburgh is particularly erotic. <laughs> yeah, it's just the castle, man. To use a word that has appeared quite regularly over the last two episodes of this podcast, for this next choice, I am going to take two musical tropes and smush, and them, smush together. them together. Nice. <laughs> so. I am talking about. I was going to say, of course, but it's it's not, of course. I am taking the jukebox musical, right, and the biopic, okay, and smushing together. Nice. So, popular jukebox musicals. So, jukebox musicals are generally, well, not generally, they're musicals made up of songs that weren't necessarily written to be in a musical. Yeah. So, for example, you have "Sunshine on Leith." Are you aware of Sunshine on Leith? No. Do you know whose musicals, whose songs Sunshine on Leith is based from? I do not. The Proclaimers. Nice. <laughs> it's apparently, I've heard some songs from it, because, you know, the Proclaimers are great. On My Way, the Proclaimers song, yeah. is incredible, and not enough people know it exists, because everybody obviously thinks of that one. Miles. Yeah, well, uh, Letters to America. <laughs> 
But no. <laughs> there we go. Managed to get the three Proclaimer songs, I know, into a conversation about the Proclaimers. No, because it's not actually called 500 Miles. Isn't 500 Miles in parentheses, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be parentheses 500 Miles, which yeah. makes no sense. Not at all. <laughs> uh, so there is a... Which I found about out today. So I'm assuming you're aware of the 18th century... Wake up. I think we can get away with that. Probably. <laughs> so are you aware of the 18th century novel, The History of Tom Jones? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a real sex bomb. It was written by Delilah. Ah, funny you said that. So they have done a musical adaptation of The History of Tom Jones. Yeah. It is called What's New Pussycat? Nice. And features the songs of Tom Jones. <laughs> I, I, I never read The History of Tom Jones, but I don't think it is about welsh sex symbol tom jones i think it's about tom jones well if it, when it was written then it would have probably been the, that would be the future of tom jones yeah so it's the history yeah, yeah. so it, it's for a brief period of time it was the present of tom jones yeah but i mean <laughs> tom jones is the present of tom jones tom jones and his uh hairy chest tom, t- just just tom just tom good old tom jones lazarus the David yeah. Bowie musical, which I personally liked, but everybody else who saw it didn't. I never saw it, unknowingly. It was weird, but I think I was prepped for weird because it's a David Bowie musical. I was going to say that was kind of... And it was also written whilst he was dying, right? So it was a sequel to The Man Who Fell to Earth, right. which I don't think a lot of people realise. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like it might have been rushed out because Bowie died. Yeah, but he had a, he had his hand in like producing the aforementioned Mamma Mia. Yeah, obviously also based on the music of David Bowie, and Sunny Afternoon, the, the Kinks. Yeah, so leads us on to our obvious question: uh, Who would you want a jukebox musical of? Ooh, um, same answer as last week: Eminem. <laughs> Eminem, Eminem, <laughs> Eminem, the musical. Eminem, the musical. Eminem, the musical. Yeah, Eminem. Eminem, Eminem, yeah. So uh, I, I've, I've got a couple. So I think Tom Waits, yeah, would lead for a very good musical. Uh, he's kind of written albums that sound like they could be. I've had to check some of his albums aren't musicals before. Yeah, System of a Down. Yeah, I'd like just because that. that would be fucking batshit mental. And speaking of a batshit mental uh, jukebox musical, uh, Russian pop sensation. Little Big. Yeah, watch that. Definitely. I uh, don't know if anyone's aware of Little Big, but uh, they're fucking insane. Yeah. And whoever the... I know it's not even musical music, really, because it was... Um, but just to mention in the same breath as Little Big, uh, the guy that does Boysicle, because that's the best video ever. Oh, God, I can't remember what his name was. No, it's like French dance music, I think. Yeah, I will, I will watch the Boysicle video every couple of weeks. Salvatore Ganaki. Yeah, so I, I will send that video to people just randomly. It's like, have you do you know this is a thing? It's kind of like the ring. Yeah. Where I feel like once it's been shared with you, you have to share it with other people to stop you from thinking about it all the time. <laughs> uh, but the little yeah, little big are a, a Russian band and they're they're fucking insane and their music videos are incredible and more people need to listen to them. At my brother's wedding, my girlfriend talked at length to my dad about how she wanted to go see Little Big. 
and her and my dad should go and do mushrooms. <laughs> That's a conversation that happened. Apparently, then my dad uh, sung the majority of the little big song, Big Dick, to her. My dick is big. <laughs> it follows you. <laughs> Uh, which is also fun. Uh, my dad also knows all the words to uh, "Your Mother's Got a Penis" by Goldie Looking Chain, which well, is a fun, a fun song to sing in the car with your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that part of like the Welsh Welsh citizenship test? Yeah, yeah. So you've either got to go through Tom Jones lyrics or Goldie Looking Chain. Or Goldie Looking Chain. And um, what is the relative? How many? How many leaks to a daffodil? <laughs> yeah. What was this week's excuse? For losing to New Zealand. Uh, the answer to that question is uh, the English clubs didn't release our players. So we couldn't have a full team. Oh, oh that's a shame. Basically, it doesn't count. Scrub it from the record. Have they not, have they not done that since the uh, 1930s or whenever it was? Uh, it's a different... Uh, sorry, it was 1953. Uh, notably, six years before my dad was born. So, yeah, my dad's never seen Wales beat New Zealand. It was so long ago, Winston Churchill was Prime Minister. And they, yeah, I think we talked about this before. They hadn't invented the duvet, right? Hadn't invented the duvet. That is my go-to. And uh, rugby was scored differently. Yeah. Yay. So jukebox musicals. That's obviously where that was going to go. Maybe you'd do a Tom Jones just rugby disappointment musical. (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be Tom Jones. It would be uh, Max Boyce. Max Boyce sings a lot of... uh, He does... He goes to the games, right? Uh, He did. Yeah. Um, but he did uh, Hymns and Arias, which is like the big Welsh rugby song that sung a lot. And there was always a tribute, or there was a tribute band at a lot of the home games called Boyce Zone. And it was four Mac Boyce impersonators singing together. Nice. I've got a lot of time <laughs> for that pun. Uh, so, basically, the takeaway from that last five minutes is that jukebox musicals work. Yeah. So, biopics uh, is really heavily inspired by the fact that I think Hamilton is fucking incredible. Yeah. You do have other musicals based on people, obviously. There's a Bob Marley one currently in the West End. You know, it's not a new thing, but Hamilton is fucking uh, insane. Uh, So, in trying to figure out this choice, what I did was I pulled up like a hundred best biopic list, and I just worked through it, and thought, you know, decided to stop when I found a biopic that would be suitable. So there are a couple of interesting ones on the list. So there's a Rocky musical. So why don't we have a Raging Bull musical? Yeah. Uh, The King's Speech would be good. If we're going jukebox with it, Elvis. King singing the King. Makes sense. Uh, I've always liked taking things meta. So the social network is now a viable choice. Very good. That is an on-the-ball technology satirical joke. Yeah. Have you seen some of the like the oh, videos? Some of, some of, I haven't seen the videos. I've seen a lot of the memes. Oh, uh, like these are actual presentations that this the, they're giving and it just feel it it feels like you're in a bad sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's well, Black Mirror was trending, right? When I, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Out. That would not surprise me in the least. It, it is an entirely depressing look at our future. Yeah, and one of the things he sold it, it was like, oh yeah, well I can't remember what they called. So basically, like, do you remember the Google glasses that never took off? Oh, Google Glass, Google Glass, yeah, which yeah. was the glasses and yeah. they had the heads up display inside. So yeah. they, I think, something similar that they're saying that they would do with Facebook, and 
he he made the point saying, oh yeah, one of these really one of the really good um, things of being like in the metaverse is that you can be in a meeting um, and be messaging someone on your glasses and no one would know. It's like that's not a good thing. How is that good for any kind of pr- productivity in the workplace? But also, if you know you're going to be bringing wearable tech, why is now the time you change away from a company name that's got face in it? Yeah, this is also like, very true. If anything, now is the time to really latch on to the face. Like a face hugger. Like a face hugger, yeah. which, if anything, would make a lot of sense about Mark Zuckerberg if he was the result of a face hugger. There's got to be an alien uh, musical somewhere. So, just a couple more. Uh, have you watched Aviator? So the Leonardo DiCaprio Howard Hughes movie? I haven't, no. I think that could be a good musical, especially because yeah. it's like 1930s, 1940s. It would be a bit kind of swing to it. Uh, one of the best biopics ever made. Um, I personally would go to watch a musical for because I think it would be unintentionally hilarious. Uh, Downfall. Yeah. Like... I don't. I, I. I'm not going to go into detail on that because, again, these things are being recorded, and we don't need us talking about how we would watch an Adolf Hitler musical being taken out of context. Yeah. But I would watch Downfall the musical. Yeah. You know, Springtime for Hitler from the producers was great. Let's see the whole show. The film that really stuck out for me on the list, though, weirdly, isn't the film I decided to go for. Okay. So the film that stood out for me was the 2007 film Control. So Control was a biopic of Ian Curtis. Right. And Ian Curtis was the front man for Joy Division. Yeah. Who, if you talk to my dad, is who I was named after. <laughs> talk to my mum, and I was named after her dad. Her dad was Ian Curtis. Her dad was Ian Curtis, no. Her dad was Ian. And uh yeah, my dad still maintains he only said yes because of Ian Curtis. Oh, I like he- like the idea that your your mum's dad was he was he- he was just Ian, like Prince. Just Ian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm Ian James, uh, which is also a name they take the piss out of on Peep Show. So I'm not particularly happy. About <laughs> but my mum says I was named after so her dad and my dad's dad. Yeah. Um, both names, two separate people, obviously. I hope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my dad said he only said yes because of Ian Curtis and Jim Morrison. Right. Both of which famously died before they were thirty. Maybe that's what he was banking on. Yeah, so, sorry, Dad. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought kind of a biopic of Ian Curtis with the music of Joy Division would be interesting. Yeah. But then I remembered that the film 24-Hour Party People exists. So that is my final choice, is 24-Hour Party People, the musical. Yeah. So 24-Hour Party People, which I, I think I had as a film recommendation one week, is the story of Tony Wilson and Factory Records. And this would be the story of Tony Wilson and Factory Records, but told through the songs of bands that were signed to Factory Records. So those include New Order, Joy Division, and The Happy Mondays. Nice. There are also a couple of other bands mentioned during the the story, which you could kind of throw in. So like a brief summary. So Tony Wilson... Upon seeing the Sex Pistols live, starts a weekly punk night at a Manchester club. And this Sex Pistols gig was apparently supposed to be like a big turning point in music because a load, there were only like 30 or 40 people in attendance, but they all, a lot of them went on to do stuff. So, right. like, a lot of the people who went on to form Joy Division were there. Mick Hucknall was apparently there. Excellent. Just bought 
not oh no, no my mum doesn't listen to this just bought my mum uh, simply red tickets for a birthday on friday oh nice <laughs> i uh, don't know enough about simply red to make a joke about that so fair play <laughs> uh so he starts this weekly punk night um at the club night uh joy division perform so tony wilson founds a record company so he can sign them uh the contract is written in blood and tony gets this guy called martin hannett who is a psychopath to record joy division's album he got the drummer for Joy Division to drum on the roof because he thought it sounded better. <laughs> like he's, I, I re, he's played by Andy Serkis in the film, and yeah, it's the kind of biopic where it seems so out of, it seems so blown out of proportion that you assume they did it for the sake of the film, but if anything, they turned it down, like toned it down. Yeah. Um, so they record Joy Division's album, obviously becomes a hit, and then it follows Factory Records as time and music changes the founding of the Hacienda nightclub in Manchester, the signing of the Happy Mondays, and ultimately ends with Tony Wilson talking to God. So it, nice. it's an incredible film, and like I kind of joked about with uh, Facebook, it is hilariously meta, and it constantly breaks the fourth wall. So Tony Wilson hasn't... The real Tony Wilson has a cameo in the film, and Steve Coogan is playing Tony Wilson, and... Once he has the cameo, you cut to the other side of the room and Steve Coogan's Tony Wilson sitting there, just pointing himself out. Just like, that's the real that's the real me there. Yeah. So that would mean that Tony Wilson is going to be aware that he's in a musical on the history of Factory Records. Nice. So that can take the form of kind of a number of different things. Like it could be very self-aware performances of songs. Or it could be that he's outside of the musical and everyone else is singing around him apart from him. Yeah. And that's the kind of shit I would lap up. Uh, if you heard that noise, I think that's Bowie running through a wall. Yep, or at least running at a door. Nice. So, yeah, 24 Hour Party People. It is a hugely underrated British film. The music... Like, obviously, I kind of wrote, like, the, the track track ideas for other ones. I don't have to do it for this. But, like, it's a musical of Joy Division, New Order, and Happy Mondays. Yeah. Uh, you can then throw in uh, the Sex Pistols at the beginning as well. Like, it's going to be incredible. And I just think it really works. I'll grab the dog. Ooh. Another thing I like about it... Mm is so everything factory records related was given a factory catalog number yeah so from the albums they produced to posters for club nights to tony wilson's coffin nice okay. so i'm hoping that if 24 hour party people the musical becomes a thing it would be given its own factory records number yeah and uh that's the kind of thing that helps me sleep at night bro but no i like it i fucking love joy division as well yeah i also like um Weirdly, uh, there's two songs that have Joy Division in the title that I really like as well, which are... I can think of one that just dance to, dance to Joy Division? Um, yeah, so the, the Wombats, Let's yeah. Dance to Joy Division, and then uh, Half Man, Half Biscuit with uh, Joy Division Love and Gloves. Yes! Oh, <laughs> fuck, I forgot that song. I forgot that song and that band were a thing. <laughs> so, Ian, 24-hour party people, has it been an Edinburgh Fringe show? as a musical so i don't think 24 hour party people has right but i would think 
musicals based on like Joy Division and its component parts would be. So it hasn't been. Although there was a stand-up show in 2014 that Matt Ford did called 24-Hour Political Party People. Oh, that's quite a decent pun. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's as close as I could find. So I'll give you, I, you know, I'd say that there's, it's an ish. My final choice. So I've gone two comedies uh, thus far. I'm going to loop back around to my movie recommendation, and we're going to go... Probably not full-on horror. I'd say probably like psychological horror thriller. Scandinavian? Uh, not Scandinavian, no. Although maybe there's 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 a chance that maybe one of the characters might be because we don't meet all of them. Oh, true, true. Um, so before I jump into what I've chosen, my original choice here was going to be A Quiet Place, the musical. The idea being that the musical plays out exactly like the film but with the added element of John Krasinski's character always wanting to burst into song. Like, you know, like in the Holy Grail with the son that always wants to sing and the dad's yeah. like, oh no, stop that, stop that. So basically like that, but instead of the dad doing it, Emily Blunt is like, no, stop that, stop that. We And anyway, it, this to, just he has, to, he has to keep running to a waterfall. Yeah. On the side <laughs> so of the stage. sing behind yeah. the waterfall. And you never hear him, you just hear yeah. the waterfall. <laughs> oh God, I'd do this. <laughs> <laughs> so she keeps up, she keeps up, and then finally he gets his big moment. He finally gets to have the one song of the musical, and then they all die. But I did feel like if it's just a one-song show, um, it's maybe less of a musical than just a, a a good excuse for quite a funny joke. You have done choices on this podcast <laughs> based entirely on less funny jokes than that. Fuck you, so sir. I, I commend you. You were, you were growing as a host. Um. I would watch that. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't your only choice. You, you had another choice you nearly locked in until discovering it was already a musical. Yes, I was going to go with Science of the Lambs, but that has apparently been done, the bastards. It's called yeah, in, Silence. Yeah, in searching whether it had been done at Edinburgh, I just found yeah. out it had already been done. <laughs> so, yeah, instead of A Quiet Place, the musical, we're going to go with something, again, you know, the Quiet Place idea was predicated on a single thing that I thought would be quite funny. Um, this is also based on a single oh, thing oh. that I think would be quite funny. Oh, that was Bowie Barking. We haven't heard that in a while. It has been a while. Oh, and it's going to go If on. you had... If you had uh, Bowie barking on your bingo cards, uh, drink now. Because we actually, no, yes. we did have, we had someone message us. Uh, so best friend of the podcast, Dan, came up with a podcast nobody asked for drinking game, which has some incredible things on it. And uh, it just made me really feel listened to, including uh, drinking whenever I say I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> fairly, fairly. I would watch the shit out of a lot of things. This is true. Uh, Bowie has joined us for the uh, final choice and the sum up. Uh, the cat is also in the room. This could get interesting. Um. <laughs> uh, the cat is looking at... I'll go full, David. The cat is looking at Bowie from her spot on top of the standing desk. In what Bowie? can only be described as a look of utter disdain. <laughs> Graham has now realised that Bowie is sniffing around the kitty litter box. And is hoping he does not enter it. Bowie has come away from the kitty litter tra- tray, chewing. <laughs> hey, bud. All right. Um, anyway, your choice. What is yes. the choice then? So we, the, we, we know what it's not. We know what it's that not. Is a, that is a long, drawn-out way of doing this podcast. 
It is. It could take a while because I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. through every movie that it's not. It um, is not Some Like It Hot. So yeah, as I say, this is also based on a single kind of thing that I thought would be quite fun. And that is the fact that in this movie, James McAvoy plays a lot of people. So I'm talking about Split, which came out in 2016. Split is a... Fuck, what's his name? M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan movie. So there's, it's based upon this guy, Kevin Wendell Crumb, who has disassociative identity disorder. And he has all of these multiple personalities. He kidnaps these girls and you know, it's it, the film in shoes and there's a lot of kind of going through all of these different personalities and stuff. So I think the thing that is really appealing here is just doing this as a one-man show, but with James McAvoy playing all of these many personalities of Kevin Wendell Crumb. So you've obviously got Kevin, then you have Barry, Dennis, Patricia, Hedwig, Orwell, Jade, and the Beast. And then there's also another 16 unnamed personalities as well. So there's 24 in total. You know, you know who the 16 are going to be? Go on. Yeah, Benny, Valjean, Hedwig, <laughs> Marius. We already have a Hedwig. Oh, fuck, we do, yeah. yeah. Then we'll have the angry inch. <laughs> Just how it turns out all of his other personalities are established musical figures. Yeah. Actually, you know, um, you know uh, the, the angry inch? Um, that was, you know that guy you mentioned last week uh, in the podcast? You had to bleep out his name. Oh, yeah. Um, that was his nickname in, uh, <laughs> nickname in university. Nice. <laughs> Uh, you have to bleep out again. Of course, I'm going I'm to bleep his name out. It's, people are only going to know it's him if he comes and guests on the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, as I say, just like this idea of a one-man show would just be fantastic. You'd also get a song from the bit where Kevin is Barry, but Barry is pretending be, to be Patricia, which is yes. one of the best bits of acting I think I've ever seen. Oh, it's, it's up there with... They do similar in Orphan Black. Yeah. Where she plays... A version of herself pretending to be another one. Yeah. And you can tell. Yeah. And it's the it, like the um the uptight housewife one, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it, Orphan Black's really good. Oh, it's fucking incredible. Really the only problem that. I had with Orphan Black was I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but because we however many is there four seasons? So we watched three basically back to back. Yeah. And then there was a wait for four. Right. But by the time four came out, we'd completely forgotten what happened in yeah, one, two, yeah. and three because we'd watched it so quickly. Yeah. But no, it's a yeah, really good show. I like she's that. a She-Hulk now. Tatiana Maslany. Yes, she is. Some songs, Unleash the Beast, I think would be a nice big crescendo number. Like it. Um, 24 personalities are best than one. Nice. And can you believe we're under a zoo? <laughs> <laughs> Because I always found it was a bit weird that they're just under the Philadelphia Zoo. We'd also, one thing that would happen in this movie is that we'd uh, change the stupid ending linking it to Unbreakable and therefore ensure that Glass the Musical will never happen. Yeah, I, I mean, t- t- to be fair, that I loved the reveal at the end because I didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah, but the, the, the link is so tenuous. Oh, no, no. But I mean, like, if they left it at that... Like if that was the end of it, yeah, that would be really cool. Oh, that would be that would be so yeah. much better than making glass. Absolutely, yeah. but glass again. I haven't. I have no interest in watching it. It because... was. I went to see it because I did. Like a friend and I went and watched. We watched Unbreakable and Split. We we're like, we'll watch Unbreakable and Split, and then we'll go watch uh, Unbreakable. This. Also, absolutely incredible film. Yeah, really, really good. It's been it's been forgotten because it wasn't Sixth Sense. Yeah, and everything else he's done has kind of been shit. 
yeah, I, I agree. I loved Unbreakable's fantastic. But yeah, so I watch those and you'll know exactly who the friend is when I tell you this next bit of information. Booked it on the day it came out at an IMAX screen. Uh, okay. Doesn't glass doesn't need to be seen on an IMAX screen. Glass doesn't need to be seen. On I think probably I think he probably booked premiere seats as well. Probably yes. <laughs> if it's who I'm assuming it is. Yeah. I paid like yes. seventeen pounds to watch Glass. How much did we pay for what was our last cinema trip? Uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, four pound each. Yeah. Or four pounds sixty each. Yay. So yeah, that that's still still annoyed about that. But yeah, um do really hate that. Like that ending could have been that end you're right, it could have been cool if they if they did it in a way that made any sense. But the, the link was so tenuous. Like, well, the link oh, was... there's someone else that was did these things and he was called Mr. Glass. I I like I I personally liked it. Yeah, I I liked it, but in hindsight, I don't because what it led to didn't make any sense. Yeah, but it would have been much better if, as you say, if it was left there or a musical, or a musical. Yeah, though I do like the idea of the musical finishes, uh, and then as people are you know getting up out of their seats to leave, just Bruce Willis comes onto the screen, <laughs> the Bruce Willis song. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Um. Who, um a lot of people our age forget released music. I didn't know he did. No, I think he released a cover of Under the Boardwalk that did very well. Excellent. He um, who else is it? Is Jeremy Renner has a whole album as well. Jeremy Renner has a whole album. Uh, I I used to have a playlist called Oh Wait It's That Guy. Yeah. Jeff Daniels does a lot. Jeff Daniels got some great songs. Yeah. Uh, Dirty Harry Blues is fantastic. Yeah. Which is, what's the other one? If um, if someone can, I can too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> stop making noises, Bo. But yeah, I think um, there's also not like a huge amount of like horror musicals. I know, obviously, mentions Sweeney Todd, and then there's been a few. Like, I think there was an there was an Evil Dead one that was on in Vegas for a little while. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, not a huge amount. So I think adding this in, as I say, it's not probably not full on horror movie, more uh, of a Psychological horror. If William Shatner can, I can too. There we go. Captain Kirk can sing the blues. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think um I think we need more horror musicals. Um and doing it as a one man show with James McAvoy singing as twenty four different characters. Yeah, sign me up. Very nice. To put it as you would, Ian. I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I don't think you have to drink for you saying it. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I really like that idea. It would take a very, a very talented person, I think, to be able to because there's acting as someone else, and then there's singing as that many different characters. Yeah. Um. So Graham, do you think there was an Edinburgh Fringe musical of Split? I do not think so. You uh, are correct. There was not a musical of uh, Split. Um, there were a couple of things that popped up called like split decision or things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, never any musicals, unfortunately. I have now, however, Googled M. Night Shyamalan, Edinburgh Fringe. I'm sure there's got to be something that's come. Got to be like a Sixth Sense thing, I would have thought. I watched his latest film and uh, it was a very good idea and it was done very badly, which I feel like sums up a lot of... I was going to say, that's stuff. his brand, yeah. isn't it? Old? Is that what it's called? Old, yeah. Yeah. So people go on a beach and they just start aging really quickly. But it was... I think the problem is, for a director whose whole thing is, like, big 
aha, that's what was happening reveals. I don't think he's done a good one of those in now quite some time. Yeah, because even Split didn't really have that, did it? Split, Split was the Bruce Willis thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a secret sequel. That's what I liked about it, actually. Rather than how it was done, I liked the idea that you sat through a film without realising it was a sequel to something. Yeah. Still think it was ham-fisted, but anyway. Ham-fisted the musical. <laughs> ham-fisted. That, that's a different... Uh, that's, that's one of the outtakes we didn't see in Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many follow-up comments I could make to that, but I can't bring myself to say any of them. <laughs> so... Those were the choices. Those were the choices. Uh, out of out of your your your, your three. Yes. Right, out, of, out of your three choices that you made for the podcast. Yes. Where we pick our top three choices. Yeah. Yep. Three what choices. was your top three of those three that you picked for the top three of the podcast? My top three of those three. I'm going to put Anchorman in third place. Nice. Um, I like it a lot, but I prefer Split the Musical in second because of the one man stage show aspect of it. And first of all. I think it just it, it should be even not it shouldn't be a choice it should be a thing life of brian should be a musical yeah i think out of all of the choices we've done life of brian is the one for me which i'm very very surprised they haven't done already especially given like you said how popular spam a lot was yeah so out, out of mine i strongly believe all of these would be great musicals uh number three i'm going going crazy rich agents like I said, I think it'll be great. I think it lends it, the, the genre and how it's done uh, lends itself well to a musical. Number two, I'm going 24-hour party people because we know the music would be good in it because it's just going to be a jukebox musical about factory records. And number one, I'm going for the Warriors because I... This is a stupid thing to say, but you'll get what I mean. Because the Warriors is basically songs away from being a musical already. Yeah. <laughs> but then so is every... The news is songs away from being a musical that would be a depressing musical but a very talented writer to keep it fresh yeah or you would have it as a um just uh actually the news the musical which is a different musical every night i mean this is our million dollar idea sure have you ever seen showstoppers no it improvised musical excellent um, okay. uh, uh my fiance's been a fair couple of times and says it's uh incredible so those are both of our top threes. Yes. What what are we what are you saying for joint? For me, Life of Brian has to be there because I still it's one of those things, it's kind of like the Mandela effect, right? Yeah. Where if you told me there had been a Life of Brian musical, I wouldn't question it for a moment. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's um, such an obvious choice. I feel like I'm remembering it being a thing and it's not. Yeah, I think um I think we go Life of Brian, I think we go Warriors, and then I just split for the one man show aspect. I'm thinking I'm I'm feeling it like um the soliloquy similar to the monologue parts of okay. Bronson. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know what? I was going to I was going to argue uh I was going to choose 24 hour people as my hill to die on there, but now you phrased it as that. <laughs> that is very interesting. <laughs> so would you would you would you have like the because he's kind of got like the is it like mannequins or something in the audience or actual people i can't remember in bronson yeah i think it's mannequins yeah yeah so would you have like just that as well like really lean oh. into how mental it i think so yeah or the audience is just the two girls that he's kidnapped <laughs> that's uh that is a very very good idea so it is him doing uh the so 
it's going to be, if anything, a musical within a film. Yeah. So he has kidnapped new people. Yeah. And is performing a musical. Yeah. He has written about the last time he kidnapped people. Yeah. And then he's also kidnapped Bruce Willis. Yeah. Who will turn up at the end and do a song. Yeah. All underneath the Philadelphia Zoo. <laughs> All underneath the Philadelphia Zoo with the song, Can You Believe We're Under a Zoo? <laughs> so would you... So, so obviously the whole thing of Split is there. He physically changes depending on who he's... Yeah, who channeling. He's channeling at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want a couple of these people to be... So, you know, he's going to have... Uh, so go go th- go through the list again of the the personalities. Uh, you've got Kevin, which is like his base personality. Yeah. Barry, which is the evil one. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Dennis, Patricia, yeah. Hedwig, Orwell, Jade, and the Beast. And then obviously Hannah Waddingham, um, <laughs> famous for uh, Game of Thrones, Ted Lasso, and Spamalot. Yes. I, li- I like the idea of we'll have a couple of the personalities him channeling musical theatre people. I think absolutely. Eddie Redmayne as uh, Marius. Yeah. Colm Col- <laughs> Wilkinson, the guy who plays Valjean in a lot of the Les Mis stuff. Yeah. Just Hugh Jackman. Yeah. If um, we want him to be really evil, we can get him to be Benny from Rent. Uh, yeah. If you want him to be misunderstood and just trying to help his friends out, he could be <laughs> Benny from Rent. We'll have... Um, we, we, we won't have that, so there'll be two distinct personalities. <laughs> there'll be Benny through the eyes of Graham. Yeah. And Benny through the eyes of Ian. And they're two completely different people. I like that. So... Yeah, uh, you know what? I I want split one now. <laughs> okay. That's that has completely swung me. Has it elevated it? Yeah, because I was <laughs> again, I wasn't sold at all. But as soon as you said it's going to be like the bits from Bronson, it just clicked. Yeah, click would also be a weirdly good musical. I think it would. It'd be quite a stop start though. Let's see what I did there. Uh, okay, so right, that's that done then. Yeah. We will work on writing the song Can You Believe We're Under a Zoo, <laughs> uh, which will be hitting your ears at some point. I'm, I'm like 100% let's get, we're going to get some lyrics together for this. Even if we don't perform it, because I can't, we're going to put some lyrics together. Oh no, fuck that. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get Alex to do it. Okay, excellent. Can we write and do this <laughs> in three days? I don't know. If we can't, it will just be, we'll just do it as an audiogram thing. Okay. So there we go. That's our pledge to you, loyal <laughs> listeners. We are going to write Can You Believe We're Under a Zoo from the hit musical Split the Musical. Split the M. Night Musical. Yep, okay. Right? So, that was the podcast nobody asked for was top three films that should be remade as a musical. So, number three, we had The Warriors. Uh, Number two, we had Life of Brian. And number one, we had Split. Not where I thought that was going. Nope. <laughs> if you agree with our choices, if you have your own, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us on Patreon at the podcast nobody asked for, where you become a friend of the podcast. And uh, usually we say something silly that ties into the theme of the episode, but generally it would just help us out a bit. Yeah, definitely would. Um, if you would like to help us extend our one song of can you believe we're under a zoo into maybe a small ep for split and want to write um your lyrics to unleash the beast or 24 personalities are better than one send them over to us on twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four 
You can also find us there on Facebook. And if you want all things like uh, find our website with everything on it, you can go to www.thepodcastnobodyasked4.co.uk. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. Uh, and in your review, uh, like uh, Vision in Blue did, leave any future episode ideas uh, and we will do our favourite ones. Given this review was written a fair while ago, uh, we will do our favourite ones eventually. We will, yeah. But actually, if you get, we've, you know, we, we, we do like it. Also, you know, Vision in Blue has had two, that rhymes. Um, and so we had to spread them out a little bit. If you get a, if you get a good recommendation in soon with a review, I'm sure we can, um, I'm sure we can consider it in the near future. Definitely. And that is the end of the podcast. Yes, it is. And now we're going to go and we're going to write our soon-to-be. This is actually, that is South Park's piss take of Les Mis. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Through the eyes of a prize-winning turkey. I, um, I'm, I'm interested as to how this is going to go. Yeah. Um, and you believe we're under a zoo. Do, 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 do. There's, there's 24 of me and just two of you. <laughs> It's coming together, guys. We got this, guys. We got this. <laughs> Ugh, no one asked for this.